Hi friend, I'm so glad that you're here for this chat with Ash. You're invited to join me in striving to better know and love God, walk in light of being known and loved by Him, and to make Him known as we share our stories. Some of ours are harder to share than others, but there's hope and beauty in every story because of the author who is doing a great work in and around us every day. Hi, I'm Ash. If you're new to the space, I just want to welcome you. In the space, we are just striving to better know and love God and understand what it is to walk in relationship with Him and relationship with each other. You guys, I'm very excited for this episode today because I am ready to lighten things up considerably. We've spent the last several episodes talking about some really hard stuff, and I believe that doing that is essential. We have to be willing to talk about the hard. We have to be willing to acknowledge the things that we really struggle with and how we have hope. If we don't acknowledge the hard, then we miss so many opportunities to live out what biblical community looks like. How can we really encourage each other? How can we hold each other up? How can we hold each other accountable if we wear a mask that says, I'm fine all the time? And I want to be a woman of the Lord. I want to be somebody that has the courage to say, this is where I'm really struggling. This is where I've really been. But here's how God ran into the fire and rescued me. And here's what he's been doing in my life ever since. That's where we get to share the hope that is within us. Speaking about those hard things, I want to touch on one one thought that came to me recently. When we first moved here six or seven years ago, we're in Michigan. We moved from Illinois and we moved from a one-story house to a two-story house. And our youngest to a dear loved one uh, nicknamed the wild man, and very appropriately so, he was, was three And so nap time became a bit of an issue. All of our bedrooms are upstairs. And so I would lay him down for nap and he was always pushing the boundary. And so I couldn't trust him to stay in his room and stay in his bed. We tried child locks and he figured out how to master them. And I remember one afternoon I had gone downstairs to like switch laundry over and I came up to check on him and he was missing. I found him in our bathroom, in our bathtub, which thankfully was empty. But at that point, I realized I may need to take some drastic measures here to keep this kid safe and, frankly, to have a moment of sanity when he's supposed to be resting. And so I had this brilliant idea. I thought, I'm going to take the doorknob and I'm going to switch it. I'm going to flip it. I'm going to put the lock from the inside of the bedroom to the outside. I will lock my child in his room to keep him safe for this little bit of time during the day when he's supposed to be napping. And that is what I did, and it worked very well. And I was quite pleased with myself. But one weekend we had visitors, and all of our bedrooms, like I said, are upstairs. Everybody had gone to bed. I was just about to doze off when I heard our youngest, whose bedroom is right next to ours, making some noise. So I got up to investigate, went into his room, and the door swung shut behind me, and you guessed it. I got locked in the bedroom with him, this brilliant mom with her brilliant idea. Everybody was asleep. And Eric, the man can saw some logs. Honey, I love you. Um, but, so I, was, I went to the wall in between our son's room and our room, and I started quietly tapping on it because I didn't want to wake everybody. Tap, 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 and all I could hear was snoring. Okay, going to have to be a little bit louder. So I put my face up against the wall, and I'm like, Eric! Eric, nothing. So I finally realized I'm going to have to just deal with this. This is my own fault. 
So I had a very long, very uncomfortable night with our youngest son. Early the next morning, I heard our oldest wake up and heard his feet pad into the hallway. And I ran to the door and I said, hey, hey. And I heard him stop and he said, mom. And then he went downstairs and I just internally went, no. So I had a few more hours in the bedroom until it was finally discovered that I was missing and that I was in our youngest son's bedroom. I felt so trapped and I hated that feeling of being stuck in that room. When we are struggling with things like depression, we can often feel stuck. We can often feel very isolated. If I can be very frank with you for a moment, the reality is that most of the time when we feel isolated and stuck, it's because we have locked ourselves in a room and we have shut ourselves off from other people that can support and encourage us. Not everyone out there is a safe space, and I get that. That's where wisdom and discernment comes in. But the biggest thing to remember is that we serve a living God who doesn't sleep, he doesn't snore, he will always hear us when we call to him, and we have that constant 24-7 access to the Father. Why do we not utilize it? If you feel stuck and you feel unseen and you feel isolated, are you calling out to God? But take it another step too, because God's given us his family. He's given us the body. We have community with each other. If, if I feel alone, most of the time, that's because I've made myself alone. I haven't reached out to people that I know I can trust. I haven't reached out to those that I know can come alongside me and support me and help walk with me through that place to the other side. So I want to encourage you to think about that and I want to challenge you in that because I've needed to be challenged in that. And as we've discussed in other episodes, we have so many resources when it comes to other people. God has, like I said, given us his body, the church, and we can go to those within the church that we trust. But he's also equipped people to be able to counsel us well and with wisdom and within this discernment And he's also given us the Holy Spirit to guide us and to work in us and remind us of God's words and what is true. Okay, so today, praise. We're talking about praise, and I'm really excited, but I can't dive into this topic without giving you a day in the life here and what happened here and how God taught me something about praise. I'm a big dreamer. Now, I have some friends that would say I'm a pessimist, and I'm not going to argue with them. I don't like that. But, but when it comes to dreaming up the way I think things will be, I tend to go big or go home. So we had the first day of school coming, and I was dreaming big. I mean, it was going to be a great day. And I woke up the morning of, before the boys woke up, and I received some news that was absolutely crushing. And my first thought was, really? Today, of all days, this is here. And then I just started reeling, like all the emotions, all the thoughts, it was, it was all there. And I was really struggling because this news was just, it was devastating. And it was going to call us to some very hard action. And it was just, it was a tough spot. I have this tradition with the boys. First day of school, we load up, we go get donuts. 
they get full of sugar, we come back and do school, and it always goes really well, you know, when they're high on sugar. But they, we love that tradition, they love that tradition, so we got in the car, and I did not want the boys to, to know that I was not having a good day. I didn't want to affect them in that way. But I was struggling to keep back tears, and we've talked about this on the blog, we've talked about this in this space, we've talked about worship in the hard. And so I knew I needed to apply that right then. So I put on some music, and the first song that came on was Phil Wickham's The Battle Belongs to the Lord. And it was the perfect song for me in that moment to just remember who goes before me, uh, that the battle is his, that he's in control, he is good, all of those things. It was just enough to kind of center me in that moment. I was thinking about a ship. Now, I, I have fear of drowning. I can't say that I have any desire to be out in the middle of the ocean with no land anywhere. But when I imagine being on a ship and being in a storm, I can imagine the way that that ship rolls and moves with the waves and the wind. But when you put an anchor in, I would imagine that it centers that ship. The ship is still going to have movement, but there's some control there. For me on that morning, putting on that worship song was like throwing the anchor over. I was still feeling the movement, still struggling to find my footing, but it was that intentional second of, hey, I really need to think about where I'm putting my thoughts. I really need to think about where I'm putting my eyes. And I need to step forward, even though this is really hard. As the day went on, God gave me a song. Don't you love when he does that? I usually do, but I actually hated it this time because the song was a song from my childhood. I won't, I won't sing it to you. Don't worry. I, I, I love you too much to do that. But the song that has this phrase, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And it just kept going over and over in my head. I mean, just that one phrase of that song, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I was getting kind of annoyed because I thought, I don't feel joyful and I don't feel strong. Why is the song here? And then the bigger question was, what does that even mean? So I, I had messaged a friend of mine earlier in the day and I had told her that I was struggling. I'd asked her to pray for me and I decided to reach out to her. And I asked her that question, what does it mean that the joy of the Lord is my strength? And she responded saying, well, it was interesting that I was asking because her pastor had just done a sermon recently that correlated really well with that. Did you know that in Bible times, when someone was going through deep grief, they would wear sackcloths and put ashes on their head? I've never done that. There are times I definitely could have, though. And I think we can all relate to what it is to feel that deep grief where color is just not appropriate. And that was the kind of day I was having. Color was not appropriate. But did you also know that there's a phrase in the Bible, the garment of praise? I've done a little bit of research and I, I haven't been able to confirm this fully, but from what I've read, it seems like there was an actual garment of praise that was worn in celebration. So just like there was a you know, sackcloth for mourning, there was a garment of praise for happy times. And if I'm understanding right, it was a brightly colored garment that you would be wrapped in. My friend was, was saying that her pastor had talked about this garment of praise in his sermon. 
and she was saying, I don't know if you realize what you've done today. She said, when the day started and you first reached out to me, you were very sad. You were very burdened and heavy. Essentially, I was wrapped in a sackcloth of mourning. And she goes, but you did something. You did something that started to make a shift and a change. You started thinking about worship. The interesting thing about the joy of the Lord, and that's from a verse in Nehemiah, is that it's not my joy. It's the Lord's joy. And my friend said, you know, you were wearing this sackcloth. And that needs to be taken off. And what it needs to be replaced with is the joy of the Lord. When we worship, we wrap ourselves in the joy of the Lord. And it is in His joy that we find strength. We get to wrap ourselves in a garment of praise. Is that not the most beautiful picture that you've heard in a while? I know for me, I've just been sitting on that for a long time now because I thought that's, that's it. There's a passage in Colossians 3 and it talks about putting off things and then replacing those things by putting, them, putting other things on. And this is the same picture. But I want to point out when we put off the hard, when we put off the mourning, that doesn't mean that the things that have made us very sad aren't there anymore. And we need to acknowledge that because that's just the reality. And we, we're going to set ourselves up for disappointment if we don't acknowledge it. But what I think God is trying to teach me, and I would love to know if you can relate to this, is that even though the heart is still there, even though the things that deeply grieve me are still there, I do not have to walk around in a sackcloth and put ashes on my head. I can still cry and I may still weep, but that doesn't mean that I cannot raise my hands and my voice to heaven and praise his name. Because no matter what's going on outside of me, he is the same. He is still good. He is still present and he is still in control. And so that's what I want us to think about this week as we come to his table. Look at what he has prepared for us. He has prepared for us joy. He has given us a garment of praise, a brightly colored, appropriate to wear garment. No matter what is going on, that is his strength that he places on his children, those that call to him. And we get to respond in worship. We worship in the hard. I hope that encourages you this week. I hope you'll think about it. And more importantly, I hope you and I can both learn to live it. I'll see you next time. Friend, I hope you enjoyed our time together today. Author Christy McLeland once wrote that we want to live like rivers and not lakes. We want the word to travel to us, through us, and to others. And that we've only truly learned a thing when we can give it away. If God has used this episode to challenge and encourage you, would you consider inviting others to the table by liking and sharing this episode? It's my prayer that we will grow in boldness as we share our stories and reveal the author and how he has made all the difference.